Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another new episode of Dying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and uh, we are just closing in on the end of the Sermon on the Mount series. And we've spent, you know, quite a few weeks here looking at uh, this, these three chapters here in Matthew. And, you know, after we're done, we will continue, uh, obviously, going through the Gospel of Matthew because that's been our journey for quite some time now. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. I, I thought uh, we had covered some good ground doing the Minor Prophets and some of those books that are not often discussed in Scripture. You know, when we looked at Song of Solomon and we talked through Ecclesiastes and, you know, outside of the cherry-picking text that people can get into, they don't generally talk about those books. So I thought that was a, a fun series to dive into. And so... Uh, here we are uh, now looking at some New Testament work. We're looking at Matthew in its entirety, verse by verse. And uh, after this, I think we're going to do the book of Acts. It kind of seems to be my my leading right now. Uh, and again, we're only eight, you know, seven and three quarters chapters done. So we got 21 chapters left. So it could change, but I'm thinking Acts. And then after that, we might go into the Old Testament for a little bit. Because we'll be here in Matthew probably, if I have to guess, at least until the fall. You know, so it's a lot of Matthew to take on, and uh, we're we're taking it section by section, and we're going you know as slow and diligent as we can. And uh, I have no no need to rush it. You know, we spend twenty five or so twenty twenty five minutes on it each episode, and you know you got my opening banter and whatever, but. I have been enjoying it. I hope you have been too. Obviously. Um, keep uh, letting me know what you like and don't like. If you don't want to hear this kind of stuff, then tell me and we'll see what we can do. But for the most part, I guess you guys seem to like it and nobody complains, which is awesome. But you know, if you follow me for you know a long time or have known me, uh, I'm an open book. You can DM me on Instagram or Facebook and uh, you can chat with me. I have no quarrels with that whatsoever. In fact, you can find all of our information in the show notes uh, that are on each of the uh, you know, shows, posting, whatever podcast platform you have, 
you can find my Instagram handle, my Facebook and all that stuff. There's even an email address in there. So, uh, as well as, you know, the logos Bible software, which kind of neat. Now, if you are on Instagram and you go to my profile page and you click on my link tree there at the very top, I have my recommended sites. And so there's a link to take you to logos and it's got all of my books that I would recommend for, uh, Lutheran theology and, that I think there's like six, I don't know 30 some links maybe uh, so it was like 35 books that it pulled there's some sets there's single books there's some stuff that's a couple hundred dollars there's stuff that's ten dollars so it's a whole variety of things that you can look at so uh, check that out and get yourself some you know some good biblical theology and uh, obviously if you don't have logos you can download it for free it's a free program, and then you just buy what you want to put into it. Uh, just as you would have to buy uh, a Bible, you buy a digital copy. Like I right now have the ESV open on my screen, and I have the uh, Lutheran Study Bible open on another. And you can set it into different tiles. Like I just run a side-by-side is generally how I do it. I've seen them do it in, in like four cubes, and I've seen them do it in three, and you know, and there's a whole variety of different you know layouts, but it's just convenient and it's great for anybody who is serious about their Bible study. It's not just a theologian or pastor, you know, piece of program. It, I, I think accordance is maybe a little bit more geared to that realm, but Logos is certainly an everyday, run of the mill, church goer, Lord loving Christian. Right? It's you can put any you know book that you want. They cover, and and I know some of you out there on the you know, and the, and the fringes might balk at the idea or notion that they would cover things that you don't agree with theologically. They do have a Roman Catholic series and they've got uh, an Orthodox series. They've got Pentecostal and charismatic series, you know, so that you can buy these bundles and get the books from that. They cater to everybody because their program is meant for Christians, believers in Jesus Christ. And so they, you know, have cultivated this wonderful platform and have made it readily available for anybody for free. And then you know, if you, you can add from there and build your library. If you want to start with, uh, you know, a set core doctrine of books, then you can go to logos.com forward slash untying light and get a discount on that, um, on that program of whatever size of books that you want. You know, each uh, tier gives you a, a whole plethora of books. And the more you, more you get the uh, more books and the bigger your library is like, I think, uh, I have a gold edition. I can't recall what I got on mine, but I have something like 4,000 books in my library, more than I'll ever need. Uh, I'm, I don't do a ton of digital reading, but the references are phenomenal, and I can just sit and find everything in a particular topic that I want, and I can look through even things that I don't agree with theologically because I have a lot of reform books in my library, so I can look at those, and I can see where you know my my view lands, and you know, is there a discrepancy or is there differences? You know, what do other people say? And I even look beyond just the reform camps as well. I want to see what other, you know, groups of Protestants believe. I want to see what other groups of Christianity, Roman Catholics or just Catholic or the Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, whatever they, you know, what what, what do they look at? And, you know, interestingly enough, there's uh, Jews and Messianic Jew bundles. So I look to try to compare sometimes if I'm looking in the Old Testament for you know, how would a Jew uh, or, you know, an Israelite, or how would somebody, you know, understand this text? And so there, there's all these different little things. It's it's a great program. And I don't hype it up enough 
I used to, I think, <laughs> on the show, I, I, I used to do like a whole bunch of, you know, banters and little promo commercials, but Logos is a really great program. And if you've never used it, get it for free. Just try it out. See if you like it and, and go from there with it. You know, DM me and I'll certainly answer your questions for you. But, you know, as we get into this show and as we kind of start to gear things up now as the winter is finally ending or so it seems i believe we're under a winter weather watch until friday when this show drops and so as i record this on a wednesday night uh we're supposed to get snow overnight which i'm not looking forward to i was hoping that it would kind of just be a little bit of spring-like weather but nope not yet here in iowa so that just entails another few more weeks but anyways um as the winter winds down and I have a meeting, my, hopefully my final mentor meeting with my professor and all of them on the 22nd of March. So if you would, I would appreciate some prayers because that will be hopefully the the day that I have been given the green light of, of fully completing my master's. So uh, all the work is done and turned in and I've gotten pr- good remarks on everything yet so far. But uh, I do need to have the final conversation to cover every last little T an I that needs to be dotted and crossed. And so keep me in prayer as I get that, uh, you know, uh, that date approaches. After I'm done with that and all of that's off the table, I am going to lean pretty hard into doing some church work, writing some books, and hopefully focusing a little bit more on the Undying Light side of my ministry. Uh, I have not put quite the emphasis that I've wanted to on it the last couple of years because I've been focusing on finishing my master's. So I'm going to try and put on some uh, particular teachings and, you know, do just a little bit here and there, you know, a couple hours a month, whether it's an hour a week or 30 minutes every week, um, private teaching to my patrons for Undying Light. So if you want to become a patron, dollar a month, $10 and some change a year, you can give more, you can, or you can give a dollar and you'll get full access to everything. So some things to look out, but let's get into the topic at hand. And uh, we'll see if we uh, are going to, excuse me, if we're going to wrap up the uh, Sermon on the Mount tonight or if we got one more week. More than likely, we've got one more week. We've got a pretty hefty topic. It's only a couple of verses. It's three verses. But depending on how many rabbit holes I fall into, it could take us a while. If I miraculously keep us out of the rabbit holes, we could potentially get through all of the text tonight, but I'm not holding my breath and we'll see. So uh, we are in chapter seven, verse 21. This this section is titled, I never knew you. And uh, we will carry on here what Jesus is saying. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Boom. I mean, that is that is some harsh language. And I'll tell you, I have seen many people distort this text. I've seen many people, you know, manipulate it and, and, and kind of flip it around and make it seem like it's it really is a you know, like the limited atonement view, like this is really crushing down on people. And then I've seen people even manipulate it to where, it, you know, the works-based righteousness is shining bright here and how you have to, 
uh, adhere to the commandments and, and all of the things that Jesus has said. And you have to understand this level of works required. And, but that's not what this text is getting at, right? This is, this is not, um, you know, a, a making sure you do your work to get into heaven. So let's try and unpack it and let's see how this will affect you in your life. So uh, he opens this section out. Remember, he just finished teaching false prophets and being bearing witness to people by their fruit. And um, before we get into the I Never Knew You, I want to really kind of just really quickly reiterate the 15 through 20 section because you can fall into false teaching very easily and it doesn't take much to change the meanings of the scriptures and change the meanings of text and manipulate something to emphasize, you know, a personal belief. And I, I think I came crashing pretty hard down on some of the reform beliefs, especially the humanism that is relevant in those camps where it's a logical explanation for a lot of text. And I think we start to teeter away from the true plain meaning of scripture in that case. But when we get to the last couple of verses, he talks about the healthy tree bearing um, it, it cannot do bear bad fruit and the diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree does not, uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cat, cut down and cast into the fire. So knowing them by their fruit, it, it's not about works that's being generated here. It's, it's about their faith and their belief. And we, we see that being the example given throughout the gospel of Matthew. And we'll actually see it even demonstrated further uh, on the last day uh, conversation, the uh, Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25, we'll see that Jesus really iterates the concept of faith and how faith plays a role, a very crucial role in the Christian life. And in fact, it's the only thing that saves us is our faith. It's not about the works. It's not about any of that. Now, when he talks about fruit and bearing fruit and good trees bearing good fruit, good trees bear faith. Good believers show faith. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't do works because they certainly will, but the works are not to be a demonstration to the fruit police that they've done enough good work. And their good works are not to go out and please God and earn extra rewards in heaven. Their good works are to serve their neighbor and love their neighbor. So make keep that in mind, right, as we move into 21, because I think this pays us really good attention because we try sometimes to separate these texts and make them not connected and conjoined. And in reality, they are very much connected because what happens is, is we see how these diseased trees function in these next few verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So saying the right words does not guarantee you to get into heaven. You can't just come in and, and jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, I know Jesus. I knew him. I, you know, I, 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 he was, he was, you know, a great teacher and he said a lot of really cool things. And I, you know, I absolutely know Jesus saying the right thing or the saying the right words does not guarantee you to get into heaven. Calling Jesus Lord does not guarantee you a spot in heaven. And so he really makes that, you know, a, a pretty heavy um, construct. And 
I think it pays us well to understand the difference here. So these these bad trees will come to Jesus on the last day. This is judgment day. And they will beg him, declaring that they've done these works. And we'll get into that in a moment. That, you know, they will they will assert him with the right title. And whether it's rabbi or teacher or Lord, they will give him a, an appropriate title. And then they will try to weasel their way, if you would, into... Um, into heaven, I had a brain fart, and I because I was looking at my screen and I and I wanted to jump over to the end of that verse and but those who do the will of my Father, there's a note that takes us to uh, Matthew, uh, from Matthew over to John, and uh, it's John six verse forty that's being referenced, and this is what Jesus says here. He says, "For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him." will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. All right, so looks, this is seeing Jesus with the eyes of faith. The chief worship of the, of the gospel is to desire to receive the forgiveness of sins, grace, and righteousness. And then we were, are given the promise of the resurrected body. And here's the thing I have, kind of the beef I have with the Western church. They want to assert that the will of the Father is to do works. But it, as, as much as Christianity is a collective whole, it's a, um, you know, a congregation, it's, it's a body of Christ, it's made up of multiple believers, it is still yet very individualistic. It is still punctuated on the person. The, each person must have faith in order to be saved. So it is much of a, you know, a global body as it is an individualistic body. Right, so each person plays a function in the body of Christ, but each person is responsible for their own faith. And so, when we get to a text like John, uh, you know, here in six forty, and and it's tying us back over to Matthew seven, we we have to understand that the will of the Father is not for you to go out and do these good works and to be the be the fruit police. You don't go out and have to assert this and, and inspect everybody's fruit and make sure that they're doing all the good things. And then and on top of that, you then are quote unquote completing the will of, of, of God. That is not what is being spoken here. The chief worship of the gospel is, is to desire to receive forgiveness of sins, grace, and righteousness. It has nothing else to do with it. And, and I say this almost every week in my sermons. You are given these promises in the scripture. You are given the promise of forgiveness of sins. Your sins are forgiven. You are given the promise of the resurrected body. On the last day, he will raise you up with him. That is a beautiful promise. You are promised eternal life. Salvation. Uh, a sinless life. Eternal bliss. All of these things. You have been shown grace. And mercy. That is the gospel. That is the whole point of Christianity. Now the good works and all that, they're wonderful and they're needed. And we have to do good works. But they have no play in the will of the Father. The will of the Father is for people to believe. Now, we could exercise that and say, uh, to go out and, and to proclaim the gospel and to to make disciples, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, make disciples and baptize them and then teach them. That is also a part of the will of God is to make disciples, to preach the gospel, 
to share this good news. But it first begins with you receiving that good news. It first begins with you embracing that good news. And when you finally embrace that good news, then you can take that to other people. And so both are the will of the Father. They are both and the same. They are both part of this collective group of you know action that the Christian can take. But it has... It does not function, if you would, to, to assert that the will of God is for me to go paint my neighbor's house. You would go and help your neighbor paint his house because that's a good deed and a good work that you are doing because you love your neighbor and they may need help doing it. It is not because you're trying to earn merit or do the will of God. Now, if you go there and your neighbor is an unbeliever and you proclaim the gospel to him and you and you unload your 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 source of joy and happiness on them, then you would be asserting the will of God in that situation. But to just simply go and help somebody with their groceries or to give 20 bucks to the homeless guy in the corner, you're, you're, you're doing good work, but that's not the entirety of the will of God. God's will does include us doing good work, but it, is, it has nothing to do with our individualistic salvation. So we have to make sure these are very separated while conjoined. They, they, they don't operate in their own buckets, but they operate in separate fashions. I, I really, I wish I had a way to like paint an illustration for you um, on this show, but obviously it's just a podcast, so you don't really get that. But what I'm trying to get at for you is to not sit here and think that the will of God is for me to go and do all these good works. And, and you can assert that, right? Because we, we do have to follow with the commands of Christ and we do have to, you know, live a life that's according and, and proper for Christians. And, I, and I'll tell you, I'm the first to probably fail at every single thing that Jesus has told me to do. I fail, I stumble, I, I crumble upon the pressures of the world. You know, I, I, by na- I am by nature, or I maybe because I've just, con- I've built my psyche around it. I've become, you know, before becoming a pastor, I was pretty introverted. And I worked in an office, I worked, I had a cubicle and I only talked and, and conversed with people that I got along with. And I think that really further isolated me. And so being a pastor, I have to break out of that and I have to go out and do these things. And so I, I stumble and fall and fail at upholding the commandments of Christ all the time. So don't fret when you, when you stumble and fall. But what we should desire is to continue to receive the forgiveness because it's going to happen. That's the premise, right? The chief worship right there is to desire to receive that. That is what you get if you go to a divine service on Sundays. And I'll tell you, uh, the book I'm writing right now, I am wrapping up chapter one. I still have to do some heavy editing to it. But in the, the framework to set my the rest of my book up, I, I, I take the reader through different church services. And so in this uh, opening chapter, we look at non-denominational churches. We look at denominational churches. We look at some of the I, uh, IFBs, the Independent Fundamental Baptist. We look at some Charismatic and Pentecostal. We look at the Prosperity. We look at the Lutheran, uh, Liturgical, Confessional, Lutheran Church. And we, we walk through what some of these worship sessions will look like. And um, I don't get too, I, 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 I don't get too heavy into the denominationals, the Baptist, Methodist, and all of them, Presbyterian, um, 
most mostly because there's such a variety of them and I've wanted mainly to focus on the sermon construct in those services but in the non-denominational because I came out of that I am familiar with the cookie cutter structure of those churches and it, they're they're pretty much the same across the board non-denominational church is you know they open with these high emotional songs they give a high emotional dr- charged sermon and then they close with more emotionally charged music and everything in that building is angled to captivate you the floors are slightly slanted down into you know into the stage and so everything is front and center and it's all driven to you know boost you emotionally and so i ta- i'm taking the reader through understanding these sermons and how you know you can go to a church and never experience forgiveness of sin. And that's a reality for, for countless Christians across the globe. Let me, you know, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ, think about this. When was the last time you sat in a church service and actually understood or actually received not understood. When was the last time you actually received the assertion that your sins are forgiven? If you can't tell me that you don't recall, that's a problem. If you can't sit there and and assert, yes, Jesus has forgiven my sins. And I hear that every week. That's a problem. If you do not partake in the Lord's supper, at least, and I, and I, I'm stretching myself because I would, I would love to do it three, four times a month. I would do it every week if I could. In my church, my church is not that high of a church. And so we do it once a month and most of the time. And then throughout the year, we'll do it sometimes twice a month. I would love to do it every week, but there's churches out there, non-denominational churches that do it once a quarter, once a year. They do, and some don't even do it. That's frightening that these people, you know, have a, a church body that they govern and they never institute the sacraments they don't assert the forgiveness of sin they don't bring assurance to the congregation so the opening chapter is going to dig a little into some of that and we're going to explore some of the sermon constructs and how those can affect you as a um, as a believer if you leave a non-denominational church what do you feel like when you go home and you sit down and read your bible what are some of the the emotions or some of the feelings or some of the you know, kind of the mental thinking, the blocks in that that have to be moved into place that you're going to have when you go to read your Bible. The premise of the book is going to help you read and meditate and absorb your Bible in a in a fashion that isn't usually taught in most churches. And that is going to be how to take the expository context of the Bible and and then see it through the eyes of law and gospel. Understanding the context, right? Because we've, we've talked all about context here on the gospel of Matthew. We've, we've pointed to where Jesus is. We've talked about what's going on. We, you know, we've been digging into that, but we also cultivate the law and the gospel out of this. This is what the text is doing to you. Jesus here in this text is telling us that not everybody's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the law. The law draws the line in the sand. You fail to uphold the law and you are condemned. The law will only ever reveal to you your sin nature. It will show you you're a sinner and you're not good enough to get to heaven. And in fact, this whole section, is it could be just a, a punch to the gut of the law. Because we, we see 
uh, in the very next verse, that they will come back and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we casted out demons and did mighty works in your name. And then Jesus declares to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is frightening. That is frightening for, for, for even believers because you're going to sit here if you aren't told over and over again in church that you have your sins forgiven and Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and rose for you on the third day and that he comes back in the bread and wine and is present and has forgiven you of your sins every time you partake in it, reminding you of that, and then in your baptism has, has offered you the forgiveness of sins. That's the whole premise of Christianity is for you to be assured that you have your sins forgiven. But these people here, are these These are the bad fruit. Remember our text just a little bit ago, we talked about 15 through 20. These are the rotten fruit. These are the diseased fruit or diseased tree uh, producing you know, bad fruit and diseased fruit. So these are the bad trees. These are the workers of lawlessness. These are the goats. These are the people who use Christianity as a prop to make money. These are the people who use Christianity for popularity or fame. These are false teachers. This whole section is still devoted to the false teachers. It is not devoted to believers. And I have seen, and, 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 I, and I'm going to be probably, again, a little blunt on it, but I've seen Reformed people use this verse as, as, a, as a weapon against other believers. This text is not aimed at believers. So on that day, this is Judgment Day, verse 22, Jesus will say, that many will come to him. As we know that later in the Olivet Discourse, there's going to be two lines. It's going to be the line of the goats and the line of the sheep, and he's going to usher the sheep into eternal life, and he's going to usher the sheep into eternal damnation. I don't know if everybody's going to get a chance to, you know, like plead their case to Christ that, that are goats, but if that's the case, then obviously we see it right here. These are going to be people who come to him, and they are going to do these things. But see, here's the interesting thing. These false teachers are trusting in their work. And see, this is why, again, I have beef with people who push a works-based righteousness and an obedient-based righteousness. Yes, we are to be obedient. Yes, we are to follow with Scripture. Yes, we are to, to adhere to the commands of Christ. But that is not where our assurance is placed, our trust is placed. It is placed in Christ and at the cross and in the sacraments and in his word, in his promises, that you have the forgiveness of sin. These false teachers, though, they believe in their works. They believe that they have done enough righteous things. And and, and they use this, this threefold repetition here. The question is asked by false prophets indicates that their explanation to enter heaven is based upon the use of their Lord's name and the things that they did. The Lord's name, prophesying in his name, the casting out in his name, and the mighty works in his name. But that never earned anything. Jesus responds, I never knew you. These people never had an actual relationship in faith with God. Never. They never had faith but they used Christianity as a crutch and as a means to get something. The Lord has spoke similar words to the foolish virgins. We'll see that in 2512. And I like how he closes this out. You workers of lawlessness, 
The ultimate lawlessness is the failure to believe in the one whom the Father sent. John 3.18 That right there is the, the, the tipping point to this whole verse. All these, these three verses. So I really want to stress, this is not a text aimed at believers. This is a text aimed at false teachers, false prophets, people who have never believed, people who never had faith. When Jesus says, I never knew you, he's talking about the people whom have rejected the gospel. And in many cases, these same people who have rejected the gospel have tried to use Christianity as a crutch at some point, at some point in life to assert popularity, to gain fame, to make money, sell some albums, get some clicks on Facebook, whatever it may be. They have used the gospel to prop themselves up. And so... Uh, that is really going to end my rant on this. And I think it actually is probably one of the more calmer rants I've had. So that's pretty cool. But I, I, I just, I'm really, I really want to stress that we cannot take this verse out of context and assert that this is going to happen to believers. It's not. If you have faith, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are saved. Paul makes that clear. And I say this all the time at church. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, I, I hope it's becoming ingrained in my congregants ear. Romans 10, nine, Paul writes for the, for the proclaim with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the grave. You will be saved. And then he goes on to explain how faith comes. If you make that proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave, you are saved if you believe that in your heart in your mind and i made this statement in our bible study which by the way if you become a patron you can get access to it uh, the bible studies every week but i did a i made a comment in the bible study on sunday night and i said you know that belief has to have some sort of construct it has to have something to put your faith in that belief that faith it has to reside in something and, and it we separate the people who use the lord as a prop Versus the people who authentically believe. It has nothing to do with your works, nothing to do with your good behavior, nothing to do with how, how many you know times you've been to church this year. It has everything to do with do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the grave? Your sins are forgiven. I, I know that's hard for people to believe because it's not, it, it takes all of the effort from you. It takes all the effort away. It leaves you unable to perform or offer anything to Christ except a broken heart and a wounded soul and a whole bunch of sin. That's all you got. You can't, you can't come to him with anything else. And so that's where I'm going to leave it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. If you have, please share it on social media, uh, tag me if you want. I don't, doesn't phase me if you do or not, but share it on social media, leave me reviews on the podcast platforms, subscribe, to the podcast on whatever uh, you know app you listen to. Most of you guys, I think, are on iTunes and Spotify, so hit us up there. Subscribe to it. Share it with your friends, your church, whoever, and shoot me DMs. Let's chat. Until the, uh, next time, guys, we'll uh, wrap up the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which I was hoping to do this week, but uh, that never happened. So next week, done with Sermon on the Mount, and then we'll move on to Chapter 8 the following week. So thanks for tuning in. Guys, you guys have a great week. Get to church. It's Friday, so church is just around the corner. Make sure you get there. Find a church, a divine worship, a divine liturgical church, and go and hear 
the forgiveness of sin. And I, I like to challenge some of those who are out on the more of the reformed fringes or the reformed faith or Calvinistic faith. Take the blinders off. Go find a, a Missouri Senate Lutheran church. And you might, you know, and, and try a couple different ones if you have the opportunity. If you live in the bigger cities and the suburbs and that, try a few different churches just to see what it's like. What are the differences between how you worship and how the Lutherans worship? And I'll tell you, it is significantly different. And I'm, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are to sit down and hear the preacher tell you your sins are forgiven. Just let that resonate in your ear. Until next week, guys. Have a great week. God bless. We'll see you later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.